Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the sixth Sunday of Easter for the week of May 22nd, 2022. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast. And I'm excited because unintentionally, and I like how this definitely works in the lectionary, the question that I had for last week, I think flows really well into where we'll go this week. And I feel the last few weeks have actually kind of flowed really well together. And I think it's just a tribute to how amazing the Revised Common Lectionary, having this type of lectionary can actually be and when we're actually going through it and really digging into it. The beauty of how these weave together week after week, and especially as we're in this season of Easter, getting toward the back end of it here, we're not that far away from Ascension. We're looking toward moving into Pentecost and then going into the ordinal season or the season after Pentecost. This idea of then what does this all mean? What does this take? How does this change us moving forward as we are then committing ourselves and going deeper into these texts and what Christ actually did for us, what that actually meant for us long term, I think is something also that's really powerful to be considering. And it's what we kind of got into with the Twitter question from last week, which was, how do we show love consistently? And I think it's something that is very hard to put words to. But I did like one of the answers that we had is thinking of ways to express our love, but making sure that they're not being missed, that we can watch, we can listen and we can help, or it can just be as simple as a kind word from one of our loyal listeners. I think that's part of this. I think it's that slowing down process to be able to acknowledge the moment in which we're in, acknowledge the idea of not necessarily time being gone, but understanding the moment in which we're in. And I think it's a difficult place where science works because in a lot of ways, we are trying to understand the present and the past to help us predict the future, but there are times that it's too late. There are times that that type of data doesn't help us moving forward as much. And we'll get into that a little bit this week with how faith and science come together, but I think it also can guide us to helping us better understand the importance of living in the present and not just in the future or the past. So let's just jump into it, the text this week. The first reading coming from Acts chapter 16, verses 9 to 15. One of the things that I will recommend in this, and it was something that was brought up in text study this week where I was, is maybe expanding this out a little bit just to help the reader get a little more context. And I would expand it maybe to verse 6. It's Paul is getting these ideas and visions on where to go. And in verses six, seven, and eight, Paul can't get there. And now he gets this vision in verse nine to go to Macedonia and has to go through all these different places to get to Philippi, which is a Roman colony. They're there for a few days. 
They feel like God is calling them to go there and they're there for a few days and like now what? The Sabbath day comes, they go outside the gate where they figure some people are gathering to pray and there's these women there. There's Lydia who and a lot of times gets portrayed as wealthy because she's a dealer in purple cloth, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she is. But she eagerly listens to what Paul has to say. And in doing that, it's a transformation within her that she and her household goes and gets baptized. And then she urges them to come and stay with her. And she overwhelmed them. She prevailed, it says in verse 15, this overwhelming of this gratitude that came out of Lydia. And especially as we know, females in the culture in which we're in within the biblical text, even being acknowledged, being named is huge news. So this is a huge moment. And again, this is the beginning then of laying the foundation of Paul's ministry. The psalm this week is Psalm 67, and especially verse 1 could be used almost as a benediction. May God be gracious to you and bless you and make his face shine upon you. This idea of how the world and what God has made has this idea of singing praise, but in doing that, it's bringing everyone together. That everything is greater with how God blesses when we work together with God in order to do this and then being able to see the blessings that come from it. The second reading this week is from Revelation chapter 21 verse 10 and then starting in verse 22 through chapter 22 verse 5. And this then is again giving this vision of what the heaven would look like. And that there isn't just night and day, but there's just light all the time. And that there's this bringing together of nations. And how beautiful it is, this flowing and praise that comes from it. And the reference I really like is in chapter 22, verse 12, where it starts talking about the 12 types of fruit coming from the tree of life, referencing back to the 12 tribes of Israel, but that each of them coming and providing a different healing of the nations, but bringing a different fruit, bringing something important to the table, bringing something that the body could use to bring together. So this idea of the world coming together. There are two different gospel texts you can use this week. So we'll start with John chapter 14, verses 23 through 29. This text is coming from the farewell discord of Jesus. And you can kind of sense it in just how he's speaking and talking about those who love me will follow me and those who don't won't be recognized by the Father. And I think the line to me that really sticks out is verse 25, which then kind of shows you in the farewell discord. I have said these things to you while I'm still with you. And then starts laying out this idea of what the Holy Spirit, this advocate who is going to teach and remind the people of what Jesus has been about. And then verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You have heard me say, I am going away and I am coming to you. 
If you love me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe, going through verse 29. So this idea of, yes, I'm going away, but yes, I'm providing you with what you need. So rejoice in that, but also then know in that that there is something greater that is also coming with me departing. The alternative gospel this week is out of John chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. This is a fairly familiar story, I think, that we hear of Jesus. It's during the festival of Jews. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's by the sheep's gate. There's a pool there that's a healing pool. And that there's many people who have different ailments who are around this pool. There's been a man, though, who's been ill for 38 years who's been by this pool. Jesus asked him, why haven't you been made well? The man says whenever the waters are turned up and stirred, he just can't ever get there in time to be able to be healed. Jesus then in verse 8 says, stand up, take your mat and walk. And at once the man is made well and goes and begins to walk. And the big news in this is that Jesus does this healing on the Sabbath, which is against the customs, against the law. And so here it is, this being more in the beginning of Jesus's ministry, stirring up things as Jesus does. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Boom! Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help give me some direction. I really enjoy not only having their Working Preacher podcast, having three to four different seminary professors talking about these readings, but I also really enjoy the different commentaries coming from biblical scholars from all over the world, being able to look at and contemplate, and the archive of different commentaries and Working Preacher podcasts that they have that really give some different ideas and perspectives to look at these texts. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. My second thing that I'd highly recommend is checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really like using them on a weekly basis to be able to see all the different texts. But the other thing that I really find that separates this resource is the art section. Being able to look at different art from different times, different places, being able to look at it through a different set of eyes, I think really helps these texts come off the page and help us to better interpret them in a different way. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. When thinking about this text, the line that kept occurring to me was that I am only with you for a little bit longer. And what does that really mean, especially knowing where this is going to lead and knowing what we've gone through and knowing where we are in the, in the church year? There's a lot of conflicting factors that are all working at once here with this. But I think one of the things then to be considering to think about is how does this still affect us today? Because there's times in our own humanity where we have had things that are in that place and we haven't recognized it till either it's nearly too late or it is too late. And so the traditional story that I would typically love using with this, and we've talked about it 
plenty of times before is the reintroduction of wolves in the Yellowstone, taking Aldo Leopold's Thinking Like a Mountain from his Sand County Almanac and discussing how that wolves being a top-down predator totally changed the ecosystem for the better and healthier in Yellowstone because of that reintroduction. And we can also look to other places where we've had successful reintroductions of Pacific fishers into Mount Rainier, North Cascades, and Olympic National Parks. We can look at the Badlands and Wing Cave National Parks in the reintroduction of black-footed ferrets. And that one's fascinating in and of itself. That ferrets were so dependent on the prairie dog population for their being their food source. And as they were diminished because of farmers, it got down to the point that there were 18 animals left in 1987. What do they do? They take these 18 individuals and bring them into a breeding program and then reintroduce them into the wild. And now have reintroduced them into multiple states and are thriving. And we've talked about gray wolves. There are plenty of examples, and I'll leave some links down below of some successful stories, some with a longer history than others. But as we go into that, there's definitely other things to be considerate of. In these reintroduction stories, where is definitely science showing that typically we favor looking toward fuzzy mammals or bird species for reintroduction, thus getting more resources being put into these things to be able to have a more successful reintroduction and ignoring some other things like fish, insects, flower species that they don't have the same type of reintroduction programs. And with even doing that, the other part that we have to consider that, again, the science shows is how long has it been since this animal has been part of the ecosystem? Because, as we know as humans, we struggle with change, yet change is constantly happening. So, the longer an animal like that can be removed from the ecosystem can also mean it can be harder to reintroduce it. Thus means we have to fully understand what that animal or creature or plant, or whatever was providing to that ecosystem? How was that species directly influencing that ecosystem? And then what is it going to now bring into that ecosystem that that ecosystem is now lacking because it is not there? These types of food webs, these types of ecological webs that we have, we have to be able to understand. And to understand the complexity of these takes time, which means that we have to be observant and we need to be absorbing information and taking the time to soak this all in before they're gone. This is not easy information. This is not easy stuff to do. Jesus in John 14 is reminding us of these things. He is reminding us of trying to absorb the moment, absorb what the disciples have been going through. But yet, if we look at the alternative gospel, John 5, what is Jesus doing? Jesus is being 
a listening ear. Jesus is being observant of the person that everyone has overlooked for 38 years, who's been there ill, and not really ask the story on why are you still here. You have the Acts reading where Paul gets this vision to go, and then he's there for a few days after being denied going to places for various reasons where he feels that he is being called. But here he gets this call from Macedonia to go and to help these people, and then he gets there, and there's nothing going on. He has to wait for some days. To get to the Sabbath of, okay, maybe this is where they'll be, outside the gate, and that's where he finds Lydia. How often are we actually taking the time to be able to soak in this information? How often are we actually taking the time to observe, to really absorb things? As I was doing some final prep work for this podcast, I had a a very unique experience that I don't feel that I've done enough of. I was with my wife and we have purchased a property about a year ago. And so we were kind of out on what we hope someday will eventually be a front porch, but right now it's a couple steps. And we're out there enjoying a drink and just kind of soaking in the end of the day. And as we walk inside, we have these big windows and we were looking outside and I noticed the small bird hopping around in the dirt. And I started observing and my wife And I kind of have this conversation of, well, should I go and grab my camera and try taking pictures of this bird? And she's like, you don't have really anywhere to be. You don't have anything that you really need to be doing at this moment. Why don't you? So I spent the next hour, hour and a half photographing this bird. And I learned a lot. I learned that that bird was using the different grasses and stuff for protection. I got to see the camouflage that that bird had developed and really at times even got hard for me to see where I had to really be still to be able to see where it was moving. I was able to see it feeding. I was able to see it trying to figure things out. I was able to develop some type of trust that there were moments where if I really stood still, the bird would get closer to me. There were also times where I tried steering where I wanted the bird to go so I get better lighting for photographs. And the bird didn't like that and let me know that by flying away. This interaction that I had with this chestnut-sided wobbler made me really appreciate the moment that I was in, especially after the moment was over and I did my research. I am currently in northern Minnesota. That bird migrated here, probably either from the southern tip of Mexico or Venezuela or Guatemala or Cuba to get here. That it is in its breeding range and it is probably bulking back up and preparing for the breeding season where then after having its breeding, after eating insects, it will then go back to those wintering grounds. That bird, to get to where I was today, probably traveled somewhere between 1,500 to 2,000 miles within the last few months. For me, I need to be able to appreciate that. I need to be able to take that and acknowledge that and realize that that is a remarkable thing. I need to be able to spend the time that, yes, I actually did, to figure out what species that is, to understand the remarkable journey that that bird has gone through recently so that it's not something that's taken for granted. See, the difficult thing when you look at and you think about what is reintroduction of a species into an ecosystem really mean? 
It means that we didn't appreciate it enough the first time. We didn't understand fully what it was doing, or we thought that they were unlimited, or we didn't understand fully what it was doing for us, helping for us, how it was connected beyond what we could understand. And in doing that, we lost that. And then in retrospect saying, crap, we messed up. We need this to come back. So we decide to try bringing it back or try to create the conditions. Or we have to do this extensive research to be able to understand, is the conditions even right for this to potentially happen again? My chestnut-sided wobbler comes to areas that are open forest areas. So typically that there's been some type of disruption. Typically they're there for about 10 years and then they move on to the next place that has had some type of disruption. They're not a bird species that if the forest is doing well and is a full forest, they're going to be around for long. They're going to keep going. The area in which I'm at, where the house was having some things done, there's some open dirt, there's things there for them to be able to get down to the root of what is going on. I will have to learn to appreciate the time that I have with chestnut-sided wobblers in my yard, because they won't always be there, I would suspect. There will come a time that most likely they will move on to somewhere else. Are we taking the time to appreciate those things around us? In doing that, it gets to what the Revelation text and the psalm is talking about. That there is healing then. There is healing of the nations, healing of connection, healing of feeling a part of something bigger than yourself. Healing of understanding that we are so interconnected together. But we've talked about a lot through this Easter season, and I've looked back. A lot of these have been talking about how connected we are as a whole to nature or how nature is so connected to each other. Do we take the time to understand that? Do we take the time to recognize that? Do we take the time to realize the small bird that is doing a small role that is really on the bottom tier eating insects out of the disturbed ground, but yet it took a 15 to 2,000 mile journey to be able to do that for me? That it understands that this is a role that I'm here for a period of time until this develops into more of a stable forest. As your lawn more develops, I probably won't be here as much. There's other places that will be better habitat for me. And what does that mean? Is it going to be a sad day when that chestnut cider wobbler is no longer in my yard? Yes. But it also means that there's something else that will come in its place. There'll be something else that comes in to be able to help with that next phase of succession. That next phase of the forest continuing to develop as the land continues to develop, as the ecosystem continues to develop. And understanding that that, whatever that is, has just a big of a role in that ecosystem as the chestnut-sided wobbler in my yard has in this ecosystem right now, if not bigger. When we start deciding the things that need to be here and things that don't need to be here, we miss the point. Paul, I bet it was very frustrated when he gets to Philippi and it's like, okay, I've gotten this vision. 
and I'm supposed to be here. Now what? What is the role that I am supposed to fill here? God has called me here right now. What role is that? And I bet for a while, Paul feels a little silly, feels underappreciated, unappreciated. What am I doing here? And then we get the remarkable story of Lydia because of Paul being able to talk and then hearing about this amazing woman of faith who then helps lead her whole family into it and the faith that she has to invite Paul from his comfort spot into the uncomfortable position of going into her home where he's not in control. When we talk about the idea of healing of nations, that's uncomfortable for us because there has to be sacrifice from both sides. It puts us into an uncomfortable position. Jesus reminding them that I'm not always with you. You've gotten comfortable with me, but there's something better that's coming, but it's going to be uncomfortable. Jesus putting himself in the uncomfortable position of recognizing that there's been a man who has been there for 38 years and not just turning a blind eye, but going asking why. The uncomfortable position. The uncomfortable position of not just seeing it as a little bird in my yard, seeing it as, let me understand why this bird is here, understand who this bird is, and understand a little more of this bird's story. That's what makes successful reintroduction, but it also, by understanding the bird's story, helps us prevent the possibility of getting to a place of reintroduction. It puts us in a position of understanding. So the question I have for you this week is where are you putting yourself in an uncomfortable position to better understand? Where are you putting yourself in an uncomfortable position to better understand? Because Jesus in these gospels, Paul in the Acts text, when we start talking about the healing of the nations, the new Jerusalem, and how even in the psalm, the whole creation is about giving praise to God and the healing that that's going to mean, that puts me at least in an uncomfortable position. And I think it puts all of us in an uncomfortable position because then we're not in control. Because then we have to sit and listen. We have to be observant. We have to understand how are these things working together. How does the black-footed ferret work within a prairie ecosystem? What is happening that their population is declining? What's actually going on? These prairie dogs that are bugging ranchers are now not just taking them out just for their convenience is now affecting the whole ecosystem. Is that really what we intended to do? The difficult task of being set as a gardener as we are in Genesis is that we have to be able to understand these relationships and make difficult decisions that aren't always to our best interest for the betterment of the whole ecosystem, which then benefits us. Looking at a long-term prognosis compared to a short-term diagnosis. These are the things that we struggle with. These are the things that make a world where we're trying to make things go faster struggle with the idea that we have to slow down. In a world that we're coming through 
this last two plus years of a pandemic and we're trying to get back to where we once were and realizing that there were things that we picked up during the pandemic that were good too. That slowing down process maybe was better for us, for our health. And maybe, yes, there's things that we've picked up in the pandemic that we need to now let go of, that we need to be able to embrace people, work together with people, love people, even if they're different than us. But that means we need to listen to people, be observant of people. These are hard things. These are not easy things. But that's why we have an advocate who has been sent on our behalf for us. An advocate to help us take the time to be observant, to take the time to show love, to take the time to try to understand the ecosystem as a whole, to understand the processes of things that we need to do so we don't have to do reintroduction, that we understand it enough beforehand to help perpetuate the population to thrive, even if it means a hardship for us now. To me, that's one of the hard messages of Easter, because that's what Christ did for us. And that's the example that has been set for us. Are we willing to follow that example? It's the beautiful thing with these gospel texts. It's the beautiful thing with the Acts text, that there are times that we need to be called, and we sit, and we watch, and we listen. And then wait for the Holy Spirit to guide us on where to go next, and how to act in those situations. And that's where being observant like a scientist can really help to prevent stories of having to do reintroduction, but also understanding the places where reintroduction needs to happen for the betterment of everyone. And the church is no different than an ecosystem. But that's a story for another day. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.